today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Elcantan. Peter reflects an offhand comment by Sarah that she will become pregnant by Abraham. What Peter found remarkable was that she still referred to him with respect and dignity instead of merely calling him an old man, though she did note his age. Even in casual situations, Sarah respected Abraham's leadership. Her honor of him was part of her life. Hoping God, oh my soul, he is strong and he is strong to save. Hoping God, he's a rock and you hide in place. He's a mighty fortress. As Pastor Ricky continues his series on a countercultural marriage through the book of First Peter, He'll be exhorting the woman today to submit to their own husbands. Peter uses Sarah as an example of a godly, submissive woman. She had respect for her husband, even when her husband made the wrong choices and decisions. This is not a natural response. You must tap into the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to live a submissive life. Well, let's join Pastor Ricky for his continuing study entitled, A Countercultural Marriage. 1 Peter chapter 3. Beginning in verse one, we're gonna get right into it. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children. If you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Before we jump into this, I just want to review briefly what we've said about marriage so far. So here's a couple pieces of review. Uh, The last couple of weeks, we've talked about husbands and wives being equally valuable and precious in God's sight. Peter refers to them as co-heirs in Christ. There's no stronger statement of their equal standing and value before God than the fact that they are co-heirs in Christ at a time when women were often not heirs at all. Together, they are co-heirs in Christ, but they also have different roles in marriage. The husband was created to be a leader, a unique kind of spiritual leader in the home and to be a servant leader like Jesus. And the wife was meant to be a helper, as we saw from Genesis 2, that brings strength to her family, to her husband, where there is weakness. Now, This difference is designed by God to display his image and to tell the story of the gospel. So as husbands act as servant leaders in their homes, as they lay their life down for their wife, they image Jesus and the way he lays his life down for the church. And the church, as it responds to Christ, as it follows him, as it supports him, 
plays the role of the church, I mean, the wife plays the role of the church and images this good relationship between Christ and the church, and they are meant to be a living, breathing picture of the gospel together. Now, all that can be very theoretical, but today we're going to get very practical. We're going to look at one principle from this section that I didn't hit last week, and then we're going to unpack some of that. We're going to talk to, to wives, to husbands, and to singles. So if you've been hanging in there through these last three weeks and you're not married, um, hang in there for a few more minutes. Here's the principle. It's in verses five through six, and I'm going to read this, and I want you to just wonder where I'm going, because I wondered where Peter was going when I read this to get ready to preach this. See, the questions that you have as you read the Bible, I have the same questions, right? So like I come to the Bible knowing all of this stuff. So I remember reading these two verses and thinking, what in the world? So I want to bring you on my journey. Um, Verse five, for this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. So this is a section where where Peter's talking to the wives about adorning themselves with godliness rather than just focusing on the externals. And a key part of adorning your life with godliness is submitting to your husband. And then he gives an example, Abraham and Sarah. Now you may think that's weird. Well, it gets weirder. The quote where he says, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, almost all scholars believe that this refers to Genesis 18, 12, where God has just told Abraham that he's going to have a son, and Sarah overhears this, and then the Bible says this about Sarah. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed at herself, saying, laughed to, to herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? That's the reference. Okay? Now, notice a couple things that help with this. Notice what's happening. Get the dialogue here. Sarah is incredulous that she and Abraham could conceive. And so basically she says, uh, well, she hears, okay, you're going to have a a child that's going to be through Sarah. And she thinks to herself in our kind of colloquial language, he thinks, well, I'm no spring chicken here, and I've got this dried up old prune of a husband, and so now we're supposed to act like newlyweds and start popping out kids, right? Is that, is that what I'm hearing? She is incredulous. Actually, it's a moment where she does not believe God's promise at all. It's not her finest moment. It's like a low moment for Sarah, and yet Peter cites this and draws our attention to the word Lord. She, she says, my Lord Abraham. Now, in, in the Hebrew, that would be not, not necessarily a king, but, but a term of respect for um, somebody. S- similar to the way we say sir or uh, mister or kind of more formally addressing them than my dried up old prune of a husband, right? Now, here's what's going on. I can't put this any better than one of the, the commentators, um, Dr. Schreiner, says this. Peter reflects an offhand comment by Sarah that she will become pregnant by Abraham. What Peter found remarkable 
was that she still referred to him with respect and dignity instead of merely calling him an old man, though she did note his age. Even in casual situations, Sarah respected Abraham's leadership. Her honor of him was part of her life. Even in a situation like this, her honor of him was part of her life. So even in a non-formal setting, when essentially she's mocking her husband and herself a little bit, she still respects him. Even, notice it says, she says this to herself. So this is Sarah's internal dialogue. Now, what you think about people is usually a better gauge of what you really, like, how you really treat them than what you say to them, wouldn't you say? I mean, you could be very kind to your boss outwardly, oh, yes, sir, absolutely, sir, and then you think of something a little bit different as you walk away, right? When your boss drops by your desk at, at 4.58 and says, hey, listen, I, I hate to ask you to do this, but could you do me a favor? And your boss's favors always take 30 minutes, right? And you're looking, it's like 4.59 now, and you go, of course, but you think something else? That, okay, that is what is there, the Bible's getting at here. Sarah to herself, even when she's making fun of her husband and herself a little bit, still respects her husband. Here's the principle. Your marriage is not defined by the big moments, but by the small moments. Your marriage is not defined by the big moments, but by the small, everyday stuff of life moments. Peter commends Sarah for honoring her old man of a husband, not just in big formal decisions and big formal settings in front of lots of people, but in the small moments of everyday life, even in her own thoughts. And in the same way, I believe this principle would apply to the men as well. Um, Peter, in, in verse 7, says that in areas where the wife seems to be weaker, referring to her as a weaker vessel, there seems to be, you know, maybe she's not physically as strong, maybe emotionally she has some off days. Whatever area it is that, that the husband would look at the wife and think, oh man, I'm stronger than her in this area. Peter instructs the husbands to show special honor to their wives. And not just in these big moments, but in these small, everyday stuff of life moments. Listen, I, I once heard a joke about an old married couple. And the, the husband was asked, okay, what is your secret to such a long and happy marriage? And he said this, well, listen, my wife and I decided early on that we would split up the responsibilities in our marriage. And I would be in charge of all the big decisions and she would be in charge of all the little decisions. And it's worked out really well because I haven't had to make a decision yet, right? Essentially, your life is not like one big decision after another. It's a small decision. What's our week gonna look like? What's our budget gonna look like? Who are we gonna spend time with today? What priorities should we think about when we're, you know, this person's looking for a job? How do we raise our kids in, in this moment and that moment? All of that stuff really determines the course of your life. And we often think about marriage and, and submission and leadership and all these things. Uh, we think about it in terms of these big moments. Where do we live? You know, maybe you're getting out of the military. Where do we go? 
Um, maybe you're just graduating high school. Where am I going to go to college? Or what am I going to do? What job are, um, am I going to take? What house am I going to buy? Should we have another kid or not? And, and really, those things don't define our marriages. What defines us is what we say every day before work. What defines us is what we do when there's that little simmering conflict in our marriage. It's what we do when money is tight and we're tempted to blame the other spouse. Think, think about your life. If you're married, think about your marriage. How do you think about your spouse? How do you refer to them in small moments when no one's looking no one's, you know, you, you, you don't have another couple over where you, you try to like act more affectionate with your spouse to be like, look, our marriage is together, right? And maybe you don't even think that, but you find yourself kind of putting your arm around your spouse or opening the car door, you know, if you're on a double date and, and no, 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 I'm not talking about those moments. I'm talking about the small everyday moments where you have kind of a cold and she didn't get a lot of sleep and the kids are whining and you walk in the door and then you see the dishes are yet undone. How do you think about your spouse? How do you refer to them when no one can hear you? Maybe, maybe you refer to your spouse in some unflattering terms. Maybe you speak to them in a certain way when no one else is around. Here, here's a good question if you have kids. What would your kids observe about your relationship? When you get off the phone with your spouse and the kids are in the back seat and you mutter whatever under your breath, thinking that the kids can't hear you, and then the kid picks it up. Dad, what is that mean? What would your friends or your coworkers hear you say about your spouse? If they had to draw a picture of your spouse based only on what you say about them at work, what would they conclude? Or maybe think about it this way. Do you go through fits and starts of kind of quote unquote working on your marriage? You, you know, you have a conflict and you think we're going to work on our marriage. 2016, that's the year we're going to really work on our marriage. But then it fades because you did that in 2014. You did that in 2011 too. And maybe you have like a big sustained push for like two months and it lasts until somewhere after Valentine's Day and then it drifts back. Or do you have a sustained daily, weekly, all the time commitment to the everyday stuff of life in your marriage? That's the principle. Your marriage is defined not by the big moments, but by the small moments in everyday life. Now let's apply this, a principle, this principle to, to husbands and then to wives and then to singles, okay? Let's, let's move into application here. So what does this mean for husbands? Well, I believe this for husbands means that they are called to hope-filled leadership in everyday life. Now, this is an imperfect summary um, I'm going to do right here of what the Bible calls husbands to do, but I think it's in line with the rest of Scripture. Uh, as we talked a little bit about last week, Ephesians 5 says that husbands, refers to husbands, are the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, and that therefore husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Listen, Christ is leading in his relationship for is in his relationship with the church, but it's not for his own selfish reasons. 
It's not as though, okay, I'm gonna lead the church just so I can get what I want. No, no, no. He lays his life down for her. He has as his view her spiritual well-being. His leadership is directed for her good and it has stages and it has goals and he is taking her somewhere. And in the same way, husbands are to be spiritual leaders in their homes and lead well like Jesus. Now I say hope-filled leadership because I believe, it, well, you remember this phrase in 1 Peter 1.13 that, that in light of the hope of Christ purchased for us on the cross, Peter charges us to set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So Peter says, look, you have an eternal hope. Now act like it. Now change your life in light of this big hope. In many ways, the practical exhortations of 1 Peter are all tied to this exhortation to set your hope hope fully on the grace of Jesus Christ. Set your hope, kind of live cashed all in for eternity. And this includes things like, okay, live a holy life, as he says in 1 Peter. It, 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 it talks about making disciples. It talks about building the church until Jesus returns. The husband's role is to take that vision of 1 Peter and lead his family toward that. Think about it this way. Husbands, you get motivated to lead your family when there's something you really want to do. Now, for me, I was realizing this week that there is a specific time that I exercise leadership that is outstanding in my family. And it's when we're going to go on vacation, right? So like six months out, we decide, okay, we're going we're gonna to take a week. We're going to go do this. We've done this a few times where we'll drive to California um, and, and we'll, we'll stay somewhere out there. We'll go to the beach. And so six months out, I'm like, all right, we're going to work on the budget because I want money so I can go hang out in California, right? We need money to do this. And so, okay, we're going to really watch the budget, right? And then I'm, 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 I'm taking my wife on date night and we're planning out what we're going to do. And we're looking at, you know, kind of filling up our days. What do you want to do? What do I want to do? And then we're looking at, okay, do we have everything we need in the car? Do we need anything else for the kids? You know, I'm, I'm looking at like our money, what we've got, helping Jen, drawing her out. I'm doing all this stuff. Why? Because I'm really excited about going on vacation, Right? Now, what happens then is I go on vacation and it's great. And then I'm just like, all right, enough of that. Like, and then just go back to normal life. But the point is when we want to get somewhere, we can lead our families in light of that. If there's like a thing you want, husbands, I bet you lead well to get toward that thing. But here's the thing about 1 Peter. We have a mission and we have some place we are trying to get to. And it's way better than vacation because it will last for eternity. And we don't have to come home. And Peter says, in light of the hope held out for you in eternity, set your hope fully on that. And husbands, as you lead your families, we want you to exercise hope filled leadership. That's not, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get caught up with the daily stuff of this world. No, no, no. Keep a big vision that we're going somewhere. We're taking this family somewhere. I, I, I was just so provoked um, by hearing Francis Chan, who's, who's, a, who's a pastor, and, and he was talking about how, and really with tears in his eyes, saying, listen, 
Um, if I do everything for my family that needs to be done, if I provide food and shelter and clothing, but I don't give my family a vision for eternity, then I've failed because it does my son no good to have gone to the best private school and have had the best vacations and for me to not lead him to Jesus, his eternal hope. Guys, this is what we're called to. We are called to apply hope-filled leadership in everyday life. This, this affects how you plan your week. Do you have a time where you look at your week or do you just let your week come at you? It affects your budget. Do, do you have a plan for your money or do you just kind of hope that you don't spend more money than you take in? And like at the end of the month, there's that like cringe where you like get online and are like, oh, okay, all right. This month was good, okay. Look, it affects how you get plugged in with a local church community. It affects uh, the priorities that you set in your schedule. Husbands, this is what we're called to do, but we're called also to apply this hope-filled leadership with love, the same kind of love that Jesus showed for his church. Listen, this is not barking orders at your family, right? Uh, this isn't like the Von Trapp family where you blow the whistle and everyone lines up and you're like, all right, here's the marching orders for this week. Little Jimmy, here's yours. Wife, here's yours. All right, let's go. And like you just, you know, that is not, that's not what, what servant leadership is supposed to look like. We're called to love our wives as Christ loved the church. One of, one of the most striking things I think my, my dad did growing up um, was he talked to me about marriage. He talked about um, what the Bible's view of marriage was. We, he prayed for my future spouse even when I was a kid. But the most meaningful thing, one of the most meaningful things he did to, to shape my view of marriage was this. Every day when he got home from work, the first thing he did was kiss my mom, even when they were fighting. <laughs> right? You pick up on this as a kid, right? You know that like the last phone call like an hour ago between your parents like wasn't like super good. And you could tell, like, you know, your mom, like, here's the door open, and she's, like, trying to be, like, okay, okay. And my dad comes in, and he's going, like, okay, you know. But without fail, at least that I could remember, um, he came in, and he kissed my mom. And he, he, he tried. He exerted effort to love my mom. And that, that meant something to me. He, he almost, without fail, took my mom on a date every week or two from when I was a kid, right? You don't have to do date night, but that's just how they did it. And, and that, friends, I, I think that is what hope-filled leadership looks like applied, okay? It's not like, wife, I read this in the Bible, come on! It's, it's tender. It's affectionate. It's when your wife is struggling, you pause your schedule to care for her. And, and I think you have to understand this. Any talk about wives submitting or following or being subject or whatever terms the Bible uses has to be understood in the context of strong Christ-like servant leadership. Husbands are called to faith, to hope-filled leadership applied with love. And, and wives and families flourish when they're being led toward Jesus' vision and they're loved well. Hope in God, oh my soul, he is strong and he is strong to save. First Peter is one of those hard-hitting books in the Bible intended to shake us to the core. 
In this series, Pastor Ricky will be sharing messages entitled The Countercultural Christian Community and The Time is Short and many more. Each one of these messages will bring insight into specific areas in the Christian life. You've been listening to Better News Radio, the radio ministry of Pastor Ricky Alcanta of Cross of Grace Church in El Paso, Texas. CD copies of today's study are available when you email us at radio at betternewsradio.com. That's radio at betternewsradio.com. Today's message, as originally presented at Cross of Grace Church, can be downloaded from our website at www.betternewsradio.com. If you can't get to your computer to download or place an order, you can always call us at 915-562-7100. We'll be happy to help you. Again, the number to call is 915-562-7100. Perhaps today's message was exactly what you're looking for in a church. If you don't have a home church and you sense God is calling you to walk in obedience to Him by being a part of the body of believers, please join us for worship Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. Community groups of believers also meet throughout the week in many locations around the city for Bible study, fellowship, and prayer. For more information, including driving directions, visit betternewsradio.com. We hope to see you soon. Music heard here on Better News Radio is courtesy of Sovereign Grace Music. Pastor Ricky will continue sharing messages from his series in the book of 1 Peter next time on Better News Radio. Open.